Hey folks, welcome to another wonderful edition of Thought You Awoke No Speed Limit Podcast. I think you will enjoy today's show. Our big topic is Israel and the Palestinian conflict and the values that surround it. So hold on to your seats and let's take a ride. Let's talk about one thing. Let's talk about the Israeli-Palestinian crisis. Yeah, it is really a crisis. So the Israeli-Palestinian crisis started years and years ago. Uh, but the current crisis is this. Israel has absolutely, absolute control of Palestine at this point. Even the West Bank and Gaza, where the Fatah or the PLA, uh, Palestinian Liberation Authority, is supposed to have absolute control of those territories. They don't. They only have control of the Palestinian people and nothing else. They have no real power. The Israelis and the IDF are the real power in the region. So what's going on in the, in the West Bank, which Israel has not annexed as of yet, but they have started to build settlements in that region and move people, Israeli people, into those areas. Uh, most of it along the western, the easternmost part near the Jordan River. Um, there are a lot of uh, Palestinians who are currently uh, stuck where they are because the way the roads are built, they are only allowed to uh, let the Jews travel freely. Palestinians have to go through roadblocks, road checks. They have had large walls built around their towns uh, to block them off. So they're basically like on reservations and not allowed off the reservation, so to speak. Um, that's where we lead to this the mixed values of the Middle Eastern politics. So we're going to talk about the history and everything. So uh, let's talk about Zionism for a moment. Uh, Theodore Hansel, 1897, leader of the Zionist movement, which was huge in the 19th century. Uh, Jews were being persecuted everywhere in Europe, um, in places where they, had, where they had immigrated to, some of them centuries before, some of them were among the Germans, they were in Poland, they were in Russia, they were in England. Um, however, you know, Europe for the most part is Christian um, and they kind of alienate Jews who in the Bible blames them for killing Jesus. And at the same time, Jews are seen as people who, are, who have a lot of money and influence and so that kind of people who are poor kind of tend to hate them for no reason at all. Okay. That's a simple explanation of why they hate Jews. Okay. Very simple. But anyway, the Zionist movement, uh, because they were ethnically isolated, so to speak, in these countries, was a move to bring the Jewish people back to the homeland of Palestine where they would be safe, where they could 
you know, practice their religious free religion freely without persecution and also govern and, you know, benefit for their children to grow and so on and so forth. And that's what they wanted to do there. And so they were going to establish a state for the Jewish people. Now, there are some another element that we have to talk about here. Ahad Aham. He has a secular vision of Jewish spiritual center. He wants Israel to be a Jewish state rather than a state of Jews. So what that means is it's completely a Jewish state. It's Jewish traditions, Jewish religion, uh, Jewish people. Um, back, and you'll see how that becomes a conflict even later because there are several groups at play in Israel. So let's talk a little bit more about the history of the area. Now, Palestine has been occupied for centuries, but as of first century AD, by the census that we have, which you know could be inaccurate, but at that time, the Jews were in the majority. And at some point during that time, they migrated away from the region, probably due to war, because I know there was a Roman revolt where so, or the Jewish revolt where several uh, cities were basically wiped out. Uh, temple was destroyed on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Um, and there were some other strongholds that were destroyed by the Romans. Um, those people left and were scattered about. All, all kind of places. Some of them were exiled, many were killed, others became slaves. So they moved and were exiled in other places. Eventually, Rome becomes a Christian nation. So at one point, Christians become the majority of the people in Jerusalem um, for a short period of time. Then, as Rome declined and the Byzantine Empire came along, which was also Christian, and they began to decline the Muslim nations started taking over, different ones. There were several empires that came along century after century. Eventually, uh, Byzantine fell to the Turks or the Ottoman Empire. Um, that empire took over in the, the Byzantine region, uh, also took all over in the Arab countries, Damascus, Palestine, and one point in Egypt. Now, the map you see here is from 1914. By then, um, this is centuries later. Uh, like I said, the Palestinians have lived in Palestine for 400 years. Um, the Ottoman Empire is now in decline. So by 1914, by the beginning of World War I, the Ottoman Empire is in decline. The other picture you see here is notable because this happened in, the 18, in 1885. Um, that map shows where the Ottoman land registration was going on. So what happened with, the, uh, with this land registration is the Zionists got an opportunity to buy some plots of land in, um, in, in, in the Holy Land, in the Palestine. So they bought some land in, land in the Palestinian area um, there and moved there. So it increased the number of Jews. At one time, I believe the whole population was at 600,000 people in Palestine. Of those, 81,000 were Christian and only 59,000 were Jews. Jews were in the minority of minorities. Christians were the uh, majority minority. And of course, the rest of the population was 
is I was uh, Muslim. I was Arab and Muslim. So um, this is the situation we have with this with um, Palestine when the Ottomans were in control in 1914. Well, 1914 was the beginning of World War One. World War One saw uh, several things happen. Um, for instance, um, there was a huge. The war in Europe was quite bloody. Several million people died. Uh, it was the English, French, and Russians versus uh, Germans, Austria-Hungarians, and Otto, the Ottoman Empire. Ottoman Empire was considered the weak weakest of the three and that was where the british aimed their uh their offensive moves at because of the stalemate on the western front so what they did was ally with the arabs in the in the region promising them because there was a growth in nationalism among them promising them that they could have their own free jewish state at the end of the war okay sounds great right here's the problem the British were also going behind their back, making a deal with France and Russia at the time. They promised the Russians that if they beat the Ottoman Empire, the Russians could have control of Constantinople. And the British and the French would divide up the Middle East among themselves. Sounds great, right? Well, of course, the Russians get defeated by the Germans and the Bolsheviks take over in Russia. The Bolsheviks, of course, surrendered to the Germans and signed the treaty. Therefore, they're out of the war. So British are like, uh-oh, what do we do now? Well, the Arabs are still fighting. So that front is still secure. They have to attack the Ottoman Empire. They're doing that. And they, they continue to fight the, the Ottomans on that front. At the same time, the Zionists are getting real cozy with the Bolsheviks in Russia, which is starting to alarm the folks in the West, the British and the French. So the English decide in 1917, before the end of the war, that they would declare the Balfour Declaration, which meant that they supported the Jewish state in Palestine, an area in which they, the British were campaigning to take over at the time and eventually did. So this would give rise to the beginning of the Jewish migration to Palestine the great Jewish migration to Palestine. And at the same time, here begins the beginning of being screwed. The Arabs are being screwed because once the war is over, the British tell the Arabs who are trying to establish these not so fast, this area belongs to the French, this area belongs to us. Sorry, we're establishing the different governing states in the area. And again, like I said, the Arabs kind of get left out in the cold. But it's good for the Jews because now that the Palestinians have control of Palestine, they begin migrating to Palestine, 1920. You can see this, this wonderful uh, chart that I have here from Al Jazeera showing how migration started in 1920 and steadily decreased all the way to 1945. Uh, it kind of levels off in the 1920s because Palestine still has a large Arab population. For the longest, the um, colonial expeditionary force protected the Jews in Palestine. However, 
that became unattainable. So they stopped protecting them. So they stopped kind of saying, oh, hold up, when hold up on, on the immigration thing. By the way, there's no law. It was a declaration. There's a difference between a law and a declaration. So all the Jews are steadily moving there, increasing the number of people moving back to Palestine. Again, this is all about the Zionist movement, moving back to the homeland. Um, lo and behold, another war comes along. The Germans act up again. We get the Nazis, World War II. And the Nazis are the evilest thing in the universe. I, I, you can't get any worse than the Nazis. The Nazis took several million Jews, put them in concentration camps. Uh, you heard about the gas chambers. You, you heard about the, uh, all the wonderful, the, the terrible experiments and, and other things that they were doing to these folks. Um, of course, eventually the Allies, United States, Britain, France, um, won the war. And they were considerably, France and, and Britain were probably the most damaged by the war, lost the most people, uh, lost the most money. And the United States probably was, it came out the best in this. That's why they kind of led the way at the end of this war. So the Jewish people still wanted to move back to Israel and wanted to start their own Jewish state. The United States was 100% behind it. The English and the French were like, whoa, hold up. Let me tell you how bad that's going to be. Of course, the United States didn't listen. So the United States is the top dog now. Everybody's listening to them. Thus, we get this. The first Israeli War of Independence, which uh, started between May 15th and to the 10th June of 1948, this was the first war of independence. It didn't last long. Uh, the Arabs attacked from all directions, Egyptians, Jordanians, um, Iraq. Um, you even had Syria involved in Lebanon. They attacked uh, the Jews in Palestine. But eventually, the uh, Jews won. And he began to gain territory. And this would not be the last wars. There was Yom Kippur War, the Six-Day War, the Battle of Suez Canal. There were several wars that they fought. And the Jews gained territory. And so then it comes, then it becomes this. This is Israel, Palestine. This is what we call the two-state solution. Something that the UN came with after all this conflict started coming up. Um, one state for Israel and another one for Palestine. Because what do you do with people who are being displaced who live there? I mean, at first, they were the majority of the people that lived there. And they've got somewhere they got to go. So why not take Palestine and split it between the two of them? So that's the two-state solution. That's what the UN wanted. Thought would work. Now, the Palestinians, on the other hand, they had the upper hand. I mean, the Israelis, they had the upper hand. So this is what it ends up looking like. Uh, the West Bank was actually, uh, is actually occupied territory. So it's the Gaza, which you don't see on this picture. It's the Golan Heights up in Lebanon, which I believe they've given back to the Lebanese. But uh, the Golan Heights, all three of those are what we call occupied territories. They're disputed territories. The UN would rather that the Israelis withdraw from these areas, but they have not. 
um, Fatah, which was once led by Yasser Arafat. Um, it becomes the de facto government in the West Bank. And they basically form a government which the UN recognizes as a probationary state, not, a, not an actual state, but it's like you're on probation. So they're the governing body in uh, the West Bank and in Gaza. That is until these guys you see up here at the top came along, um, the, the Hamas. Between the both of them, they're pretty radical groups. At one time, the Fatah was all about the absolute destruction of Israel. To a certain degree, they're now for the establishment of a Palestinian state. Um, and Hamas is for the absolute destruction of Israel. It does not want to see Israel exist at all. It would rather push them back into the sea and off of out of Israel. Um, it's not going very well for Hamas in that area. The worst they can do is launch a, launch a bunch of useless rockets into uh, Israeli territory. As far as the Fatah goes, they try to rule. They try their hand in controlling government. And there has been a fight between Hamas and Fatah. And uh, Hamas gained control of the Gaza Strip. Uh, Fatah pretty much rules the West Bank. Um, but Hamas is gaining strength simply because they are taking it to the Israelis, whereas Fatah kind of is sitting back and letting things happen. And let me explain something else about the Fatah. They rule the West Bank only as far as ruling Palestinians. So the only people that really can, they can affect or bully, and sometimes they do bully them, are the Palestinians. In fact, some of the protests, uh, the Fatah has come after some of the protesters, arresting them, claiming that they are... Um, that they are uh, calling out against the leadership of the father, so on and so forth. So they're arresting them for that. As you can see, that's sort of a issue because you need leadership in a situation like this, where the uh, Israelis are pretty much moving in on your territory willy nilly nonstop. Cause even, it, even with the UN saying, don't do it, they're doing it. Especially with the current leader, which is Yasser Arafat. So what we have here going on in the West Bank is settlements. Settlements being settled by our wonderful friends, the Israelis. They are building settlements in and around the Palestinian settlements that are in the West Bank. The more settlements they build, less chances there are there will be a two-state solution. And the poor Palestinians either get evicted, which is what just happened with this last go around, or if they leave the country, they're not allowed to come back. So they become a displaced people. Now, this is what's funny. The Israelis were a displaced people who came to Israel, took up, up uh, homes in this area, and now they're displacing the people that were there. So now they become the displaced people in the world. And they become the persecuted and hurt people around the world. I, I personally know some uh, folks who are Palestinian. I also know some people who are Israeli. Um, and this is where we are in the current situation in the world. As you see the, this picture here, there's protests going on in that area. Uh, the current leader, Netanyahu, he's been in power for a long time as the prime minister, and he's very conservative. He believes in 
just the absolute authority of the Israeli state. He wants to build a Jewish state. He doesn't care if the Palestinians get the state or not. He wants to create the Jewish state. So he's all for the settlements in the West Bank. Uh, now, what you don't know about these settlements is these settlements are connected by these roads. These roads connect all of the settlements, but do not connect um, do not connect the Palestinians. Now, the Palestinians can use those roads, but they have to go through checkpoints, all those other things. They're walled off. I've compared this to the reservations that the Indians live on in the United States. You know, think about the colonists moved in, took over the land, and eventually, if they didn't kill the Indians, they ended up on a reservation. That's kind of what we're looking at here. We call this the Iron Great Land, uh, and, but we also realize it's occupied territory. Um, and that's basically what's going on here. And like I said, he has backing of the IDF or the Israeli Defense Force. And like I said, they, they've got all the guns. The United States military gives $9, million, $9 billion a year to Israel to buy weapons from the United States and Western Europe. So they use these weapons, of course, against their Arab neighbors or against their uh, Palestinian neighbors. And in this case, they did. Uh, when Hamas launched rockets, which they're getting from Iran most likely, into Israel and killed about 10 Israelis, they launched airstrikes to clear out these rockets, which end up killing about 100 people in Palestine, 100 Palestinians, including several women and children. So they have the upper hand one way or the other. You can say they caused this conflict because they're building these freaking settlements among places where the Palestinians are trying to live. The Palestinians are slowly getting nowhere to, where do I do? I have nowhere to go. I can't live here. I can't live there. You know, the Palestinians want their own state because in Israel, they have no authority, no power whatsoever. They, they don't have freedom of movement. They don't have the right to vote or anything like that. Now, they say there are um, Palestinians who are part of the uh, Israeli parliament, but really they're such a minority that they don't have any power at all in that, in that body. So that being said, they're always outvoted when they vote against certain things that the Israelis do. And that's sort of a fear of Islam by the Jewish people. Now, I'm not saying that the Palestinians are perfect or right or wrong in any kind of way, because like I said, there are some Palestinians like Hamas who agrees with Iran that Israel should not exist at all. So uh, they are basically fighting to destroy Israel. They don't want Israel to exist at all. Uh, but Netanyahu is typically more like uh, Hamas than Fatah. He wants the absolute destruction of the uh, Palestinians pretty much to me. That's the way it seems to me. He is that he's a hardliner. He's that guy, but he's also corrupt. So that's another issue. And actually there are Jews who are opposed to the settlements in the West Bank. They believe in the two-state solution. They believe we have their, we, uh, they have established Israel because they're our Zionists and they believe in being there, but at the same time, they do not believe in what's going on with the settlements in the West Bank. Now, they sound, they're the quieter voices, but they are the voices that are out there. Meanwhile, the, Jew, the Jews, like I said, there's two different types 
a Zionist Jews. There's the kind who just want who wants a Jewish state for Jewish people. And then there's the other kind who want the state to be completely Jewish, nothing else that comes to this. So we can talk about the UN solution for this. We can talk about, you see those right there? Those are Palestinian refugee camps, Hamas. There's a lot that's going on here. So the UN wants a solution to the problem. So we don't have to have camps like that. But another thing that needs to happen is the, the Hamas. It's kind of a problem for um, ending or getting any solution. When you have some, a group of people that basically don't want to come to the negotiation tables, they have, but they don't want to uh, because they don't want to negotiate with Egypt. They want the destruction of Egypt. But you need the UN to fix this situation. There's only one real solution to the problem. Somehow, the Palestinians and the Israelis have to come together. They got to find a way to come together. You may have to eliminate some of the leadership now. You, you've got to get them out of power in order for there to be a two-state solution in Israel. Because I'm looking at it now, there's no way that's going to happen. The UN needs to step in. The United States needs to stop supporting what it supports as far as Israel goes, as far as violence goes with Israel. Um, it, 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 like I said, they're funding the, the bombs that fall on the people in, in uh, Palestine. Not only that, they're giving money to people like that Saudi Arabia and uh, Yemen and Egypt to make sure that the Palestinians don't get any help at all. And that's sad. That's sad. It's just, it's terrible. But at the same time, Israel, Israelis need a place to go. They've come there. They need a place to stay. So there needs to be a two-state solution that solves the problem for both people. Oh, by the way, I, I put a, <laughs> I misspelled that, but they're Jewish, right? Yeah, let's talk about Netanyahu and his ex, who else he's expelling. He's also expelling African Jews by the thousands. Um, in fact, there's some videos out there that you need to watch. He's expelling them. Apparently, they're not real Jews to Netanyahu and his crew. They consider them not Jewish at all. Some of them are from Ethiopia. Some of them are from the United States called the Hebrew Israelites. And I can, I can do a whole nother uh, podcast on that group of individuals. Uh, but they're Jewish. So why aren't they being allowed to stay in Israel? So here comes my question about Israel and what it's really doing. You know, first of all, you've forgotten where you came from. You've forgotten what happened during World War II, how your people were brutally killed, put into concentration camps. People were literally shot in the streets. Children died, were burned in gas chambers. How do you forget that and mistreat a whole group of people, whether they be Jewish or whether they be Muslim? How do you do that? 
how do you create a situation where you have people who are soon will not have a place to stay? This right here. How do you create a situation like that? Do not people matter? Do they not matter? The two-state solution is the only solution. And the only way that's probably going to happen is if Netanyahu is no longer in power. And like I said, he's not only expelling them, he's expelling other Jews. So what's the real situation? See, people are going to look at this and say, oh, you're anti-Semitic. No, I'm not anti-Semitic. I want people to look at the truth. He's not only expelling the Palestinians. He's not, not only mistreating the Palestinians. They're mistreating other people as well. People that are Jewish just like them. But I guess they're going to act like the people they left, the countries they left, they're going to be just like they are. And don't let's not undermine this. The British played their role in it now that they call themselves not supporting the actions of Israel. And the whole uh, European act is just ridiculous. It's hypocrisy because if it wasn't for them, this mess wouldn't be this way in the first place. They were making decisions for people that instead of letting the people in the land that they live in make the decisions, they were making decisions for them. This has always been the European way. Like I said, um, this is a guy named Tony Blair. You know, he was once the prime minister of uh, England. He said during the Gulf, uh, the Iraqi war, not the Gulf war, the Iraqi war, that he wouldn't rest until Western values prevail. That's why I said the values in the, this area are so mixed up. Israelis are European, or most of the Israelis that we're talking about are from Europe. So they have European type values. So then you have Jews from places like Ethiopia, probably a little different type of value system. Jews from the United States, Black Jews from the United States. Cultures and traditions that are still Jewish, but slightly different than yours you're not accepting. So the question is, what is Israel doing? This is not the direction they should go. I personally believe this is not the direction they should go. But as an American, I have no place to, to tell them what to do. But I know one thing, American money is paying for the bombs they're dropping and their ability to expel people of different races. That much I do know. That is wrong. That is wrong. And you can't call me anti-Semitic for that. I'm just telling the truth. You can look it up. There's several articles on all of this stuff. Anyway, folks, y'all have a wonderful night. So look, basically, I went through all of that to say this. You know, um, we went through all that history and all of that that was going on to say something about the mixed up values of the Middle East. So let's see this. So you got the United States involved now. You got England and France sitting there saying we we hate the conflict and all this on and so forth. Okay, yet you don't understand this value. You really don't get to make a decision in the Middle East at all. It's about Israel and Palestine. 
U.S. money, $9 billion or so goes to give weapons to Israel. It only gives a smaller amount of money for humanitarian things to Palestine. Palestine is unarmed. They're, 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 they're getting their money and their weapons from the Iranians. You really don't want that either. Understand Hamas and Fatah are a problem. Okay? They're radical groups. But they're the ruling parties in both of those countries. Meanwhile, the people are sitting there like, we're losing our homes. They're building these, the Israelis are just building the settlements in the West Bank. They probably want to build them in Gaza too and probably have tried. But, you know, Hamas is bad in Gaza. No joke. They're launching missiles. Uh, somehow the Iranians are getting those weapons to the, those missiles in uh, to them. Just like weapons are being snuck in from Russia and Iran to Yemen. We can talk about that on another podcast. Um, but they're sneaking these rockets to the folks in Gaza. And they're launching these rockets into Israel just basically to be annoying. Okay. Because the Fatah, I mean, the Hamas wants to destroy Israel. That's their goal, which right now is foolish because there's not even enough of them to do any damage to Israel. Israel's got superior weapons that they've gotten from the United States. Fatah wants to establish a Jewish state, but there are also some uh, Muslim fundamentalism mixed up in there and now recently corruption. So the only thing that the Fatah can do, even though they're the ruling party, in um, the West Bank and really in Gaza um, is pick on the people, the Palestinian people. They can't they can't do anything to Israel. They can't make any laws against Israel. Israel has holds all the cards. Their settlements are built so that the people, the Israeli people can get around on the roads and the military protects them on these roads. And they also keep the Palestinians from basically moving freely they have to have a pass to get in and out of their homes if they leave the country they can't come back they're out once they're out they're out they can't come back in you know it's kind of like these walled settlements that they live in are closed down and as you know during this event israelis are evicting palestinians because they feel that they have a right here's the thing about the west bank it's never been incorporated into the Israeli state, but that's what they're trying to do. So they're occupying territory along the, the fertile plains, which is where the Palestinians would need that for both money and the food for their own people. This is where the Israelis are building their settlements along the uh, Jordan River in the Jordan Valley. So that means that the Palestinians are losing access to the water and to the food that they would need. And so that means everything would have to be imported, so on and so forth. It's becoming a horrible, unattainable situation there. And when I look at it, I see it as similar to what happened with the Native Americans here in the United States as they were pushed on the reservations, as they were massacred, as um, they were starved out in some places, as uh, they were struck by unbelievable disease. All of these things that happen to them. So then the world goes, let's make a help, make a decision here. And we don't see the, the all the elements of the things that played into this that caused the problem in Israel in the first place that England did when they made that decree, when they allowed the, uh, they're saying, oh, you know, we decree it's okay for the uh, 
Jewish people that are established state in Palestine. You really, in honest truth, you had no right to that at all, other than the fact that you fought the Ottomans and won that territory from them and took it for your own ambitious means. Then when you were through it, you threw it away. You didn't care what happened to the Palestinians. You didn't care what happened to the people of Israel in there. You let it go. And then you want to make UN mandates because you got absolute control of the UN. Five members, five permanent members of the Security Council. France, England, United States, Russia, China. Of those, four are European. Of those, three are Western. There's no Africans there as permanent members. They're, you know, they can be voted in as parts of the Security Council, but those five permanent members of the Security Council hold one veto per country, one per state. So they can veto anything to help the Palestinians if they want to. And it's amazing how this Security Council permanent members are dominated by Europeans. You didn't put Israel on there. You didn't put Palestine on there. You don't have Saudi Arabia or any of those countries as permanent members of the of this uh, Security Council. So basically, the Europeans are still doing what they did back in the colonial days. They're still making decisions for parts of the world that they have no intention of doing anything good for. Israel is a strategic partner of the United States. If Israel was not important to the United States for strategic purposes, it would not care if it got destroyed tomorrow. Same with Palestine. It really doesn't care what happens to Palestinians because the other threat to the United States are Muslims. Yet, we talk about anti-Semitism. We don't talk about the anti-Muslim movement in the United States. Oh, we do, but that's only among certain people. That exists here. Yes, there have been terrorist attacks from Muslims. But the Israelis killed their own prime minister at one point. And don't think that they're perfect either. There are Israeli terrorists. They do exist. Maybe on a smaller scale, but nothing like the Islamic terrorists. But at the same time, there are good Islamic people who live here in the United States who do nothing. They get attacked. Usually not by even uh, Jewish people. They get attacked by Americans. White supremacists. Who have a problem with Jews, have a problem with Muslims, have a problem with black people. They have a problem with a whole group of people. So that's why we have all these conflicts in the world. But it's a shame that the Jewish people who have come from a place like Europe where they were so badly persecuted, where they were put into these freaking concentration camps and murdered by the millions. Another thing that white supremacists don't believe happened at all. Murdered by the millions. Dislodged from wherever they lived and had to find a place to live and, and decided to go here to Israel. Now they're dislodging a group of people Taking away their possibly taking away their food sources, definitely bombing buying bombing them and evicting them just like they were evicted in Germany from their homes, possibly cutting them off from food where they can starve and dirty water. 
why would you as a people do that to another group of people? Now I can go back to the Bible and look at the Bible and see what happened there. See, the Old Testament Hebrews left Egypt and went into Palestine. We can talk about the good side of what they did, but we can also talk about all the people that were wiped out in the process of them taking over that country. Or the fact that once they took over, they owned slaves. There's hypocrisy all the way around. That's the truth of the whole thing. There's hypocrisy in all of this. See why you got to be woke on this whole situation. What's good also comes with bad in our world. The Pilgrims found a home in the United States. They built a home here. They had a vision of living here. So did the Native Americans. It created a conflict which created the end of the Native Americans' domination of North America. Israel, Israeli people, the Jewish people, had a vision of going back to their homeland and establishing a homeland. But there were people already living there. Instead of finding a way where they could work it out, where they could live together, they both got in the conflict. And now the Israelis want their state at all costs. And they're doing everything to stop the two-state solution and bring it to one, which is what the UN was talking about, a two-state solution. They're bringing it to one, and nobody, nobody is helping to make sure a two-state solution happens. They're letting the Israelis do what they're doing. And it's absolute hypocrisy. Netanyahu is an evil man. They're trying to get him out of office in his own country. There's even talk among Israelis about getting rid of democracy. And yes, Palestinians are in the parliament, but they don't have enough power to affect anything. And yes, Hamas is bad. Fatah is bad. The hate is bad. But America should butt out. Israel, uh, England should butt out. No one in the West should have a decision about what happens in the Middle East. It should be left up to the Israelis and the Palestinians. That is their territory, and that's what should happen. So, I always like to throw a little bonus in. You know, let's get off the subject of politics for a minute. Let's talk about football. I love football. You know, the draft not too long ago just happened. There's a lot of talk about all the great quarterbacks and stuff that's coming up. But let me talk about something else that's a little bit different. See, people aren't really talking about this, but spring football. Did you know there's a spring league that's playing right now? It's going to play six games. Well, the one of the owners of that league is talking about bringing about the back, the USFL. Do you guys remember the USFL? Maybe you don't. Okay, the USFL was like... The real challenge to the NFL because they were actually drafting players into the uh, uh, USFL 
instead of them going to, to the NFL. So, you know, Jim Kelly was one of those guys that came out of that. Uh, there's a couple of running backs. Herschel Walker was another one that came out of that class. And they're a Hall of Famer. But they came out of the USFL. It sort of fell. It was one of those Trump things, too. Trump was a part of the failure at that time. And I don't really want to talk about Trump at this point. But let's just put it this way. Trump was part of that. Okay? And it failed. Now the USFL... Apparently, someone has bought the rights to it, and they're bringing it back. They said they're going to bring back eight teams to start, and uh, there's going to be eight lucky cities that get a chance to have a pro football team. Now, here's my issue with the league. The first one of the first statements that came out by one of the new owners is, "We're going to try to work with the NFL." Let me spell you how well that worked. Think about the AAF lasted one season. Got a big investor. They were saying, oh, we're gonna we're trying to get in with the NFL. NFL said no. Made the league fold. XFL came out last year, year before last. Had one great season. Then COVID hit and it failed. But not because it was a failure. It was actually a better success than AAF is. But guess what they decided to do that the AAF did try to do? They didn't try to get an association with the NFL. Hello? Hello? The big boy in the room doesn't want any other players. So why are you trying to play with the big boys in the room? This is the question I'm saying. Create your own thing. Go out there and play. Say, hey, you know, NFL, they own the fall. We're here in the spring for people who love football and want to continue to have football in the spring. That's what we're here for. Why not do that? Well, why do anything else? I mean, makes no sense. What do y'all think? I really want to hear from you. So if you have anything, just leave a message uh, or drop a line. Tell me what you think about that. But anyway, the USFL, XFL, the Spring League, all of this will be here competing with each other. And that could be a problem because... There can be too much of a good thing as well. Eventually, one of those leagues will come out on top. Maybe it will stay. Maybe it won't. Most people don't predict that any of these leagues will succeed. I'm hoping for something totally different. I'm hoping that we will have a spring league that will succeed. Uh, In fact, I hope one comes to where I live right now. We have a spring football pro team. You know, hey, we got college football in the winter and a pro team in the spring. It'll be awesome here. We've got a brand new stadium coming. Why not? Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Thought You Were Woke, No Speed Limit podcast. We got more coming. There's a reason why we call this Thought You Were Woke, No Speed Limit. See, the woke part was talking about Palestine and all that stuff. And No Speed Limit, of course, we, we diverged into sports. So next week, oh, I got a special show for you. I won't tell you what's coming, but... Hold on to your seats. Uh, I got a special guest host. Man, we got some stuff to talk about. Well, y'all have a good evening.